Hi, everybody. It's Abby Amy out here with Dr. John Bell from Welshire Presbyterian Church in Denver, Colorado. This is Tabletop Theology, a lighthearted conversation about serious topics. Hi, John. Hello, Abby. Now we're in countdown here. This is your second to last, or is this your last? This is not second cool. to last. Assuming the world, you know, assuming nothing happens next week where we can't record. God, will, God willing, it's mm -hmm. your second to last. Yes, we will do one more. And then we'll bring then, you back for cameo appearances like Elliot Stabler on Law and Order SVG. I love it. I would absolutely love it. Yeah, John, you're going to keep it going, keep these conversations. I think along. we're trying to keep it going. I'm sure viewership will go way down. <laughs> you know, what can we say? <laughs> but, uh, it might take on a slightly different character, but I think people have appreciated the casual conversation about common theological topics that aren't always worth a sermon time, but uh, like pronouns. Or aren't always, always easy in a sermon. I feel like they're all worth it. Just they're all, hard, to, hard to do a sermon on. Yeah. And let you keep your job. <laughs> so, so today, today uh, we're responding to one of our viewers who wrote in about uh, the, the amount of hate that we see in the country today and how, how much anger and hate and uh, the, the ways in which that seems to be fomenting uh, in many ways. But let's, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about hate. Yeah. Let's start with the Bible. I feel like that's a good place to start. <laughs> then we can go further out because I, I really appreciate your sending in these kinds of questions because this one definitely, I feel like for you and I gave us a lot to think about, about where to take this conversation. So let's start with the Bible where we like to start. There's a lot of verses about hate in the Bible. What are your favorites? <laughs> what do you well, have hanging up in your well, house? Abby, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> um, it's not, this is an unscripted thing, but I did uh, pick out a few Bible verses here. Um, well, um, I think a good one is uh, if anyone says, you know, I love God and hates his brother and sister, he's not, or she's not worthy of the kingdom of God. And I think that's very interesting in light of today's, you know, venom mm -hmm. is that uh, people don't seem to have a problem going to church, worshiping and thanking God and loving God and then expressing extreme hatred <laughs> for, for the person who doesn't agree with them on uh, politics or religion or sexuality or um, pronouns. Uh, and you know, it's uh, the correlation's pretty clear. You know, Jesus says, if you love God, you you know, you really must love your neighbor. That that's sort of part of it. So, you know, I just wish all these Christians who are claiming to love God so much would remember what Jesus said about you know hating people, and um, you're just a hypocrite if that if that's the case. And that's a nice verse in the Bible about hate, one that we can all get behind, I think. There's just a couple <laughs> that I don't really like, namely from Jesus, amazingly, that I don't love <laughs> what he said about it. I think you're referring to, um, perhaps one of them is uh, um, 
if you don't hate your mother and father and wife and child and, and brother and sister, if you if you don't hate all them, you're not worthy of the kingdom of God. And uh, ho hopefully, hopefully, people don't take that verse literally. We mm -hmm. talked about literal interpretations, but as a preacher, and Jesus was a preacher, you. We speak in hyperbole a lot of times, mm. you know, exaggerated context to, to make a point. Mm. And the point Jesus was making is that, um, you know, your loyalty to Christ, your loyalty to God has to be so sincere and so strong that it almost seems as if you might hate mm. your own family members. But that that's a relative term. Um, I, I hope to God he didn't mean you should actually hate your wife or your children. I mean, I, I just... You have an awkward family reunion. <laughs> well, we talked about biblical interpretation last mm -hmm. week, and that interpretation does not pass the rule of love mm -hmm. or a, or a Christ-centric interpretation. So however you come to a verse like that, you've got to you got to remember Jesus was fundamentally love. God is love. And so to, to suggest that uh, your relationships would be anything, in fact, you know, to, to extend that further, you know, Jesus says it's not enough to love your, it's not in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, you must love your enemies. Mm -hmm. It's not just enough to love your family or your neighbors you have to love your enemy as well and in some cases i think in some way i think that could be the real test of um, of the christian is do you in fact love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you because mm -hmm. that's pretty clear that's in the sermon on the mount and uh, a pretty consistent theme in the new testament so it strikes me that the bible does say so much about hate because i feel like this is such a human condition. We love to hate things <laughs> like as a human society. We love to just target our hate toward individuals or toward groups of people. Kind of that mob mentality, I think, comes about pretty easily to humans. I mean, free Britney, right? The whole Britney Spears documentary that's going on right now. We loved to hate Britney Spears um, in the early 2000s. So I wonder if you could speak a little to that of our human nature there. Well, and Abby, in all the weeks we've been doing that, you've never stolen one of my good lines. Before. I'm sorry, I just did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. In our, in our little pregame, I mentioned the mm -hmm. current Britney Spears flap. But yeah, a good example. Um, pe people love to pile on when it's popular to hate somebody. And, you know, um, take Ted Cruz's recent thing, you know, all this outroar, over all this, you know, um, over, over leaving Texas and, and it becomes popular and gains smiles and almost endears you to mm -hmm. others when you gang up your uh, venom towards different things. So a book given to me by a legendary salesman at Aflac, the insurance company, Duke Miller. And he gave me a book called Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds. 
Mm. And it's actually about economic theory. And I actually majored in economics, so he knew I would enjoy it. But um, in the in the opening foreword, it said, "There's a quote Schill, uh, Schiller, Schiller's dictum: Anyone taken as an individual is tolerably sensible and reasonable. As a member of a crowd, he at once becomes a blockhead." Mm. <laughs> and since you stole my line. Um, you said in our little pregame that uh, you think anybody who joins a crowd loses 15, 20% of their IQ. Mm -hmm. Just <laughs> real right off the bat. <laughs> what, what did you mean by that, Abby? Well, I think like when we start getting in groups, we just, we stop thinking quite as rationally in a lot of ways. Um, and we sort of just want to, We it's this is a great example. At our staff lunches back in the day when we were all together, for staff lunches, we would try to outdo each other with the most depressing story. We would just keep getting worse and worse and worse. And none of us are super depressing as individuals, but together we like to bring the crowd down. And I think there's something to that of when you're together with a crowd, you just, you want to make the weird choices that you wouldn't normally do. It was not a phenomenon we, we uh, tried to instill. It just happened. Mm -hmm. Someone would say like, well, my dog, you know, broke a nail mm -hmm. and then someone else would say well you think that's bad my dog <laughs> broke her leg and then i read a story yeah. about a dog dying <laughs> my dog got run over by a car you think that's bad mm -hmm. just it's a little like that <laughs> snl skit of the debbie downer we just <laughs> loved to do it and it i think there's something rules. to that yeah and and, and hate functions in that way it's like if someone says you know i i hate tom brady yeah i hate tom brady too and and oddly that's a bonding experience uh, not a pot it's not a healthy one but it's like you come together over your shared dislikes mm -hmm. over your passionate dislikes over your hate and and then the mob mentality, the crowd, crowd mentality takes over and it's just out of control. And I think that's where we are as a country. And I think that's a really interesting point is usually the object of the hate is feels very distant, like a celebrity or some some unhuman, unpersonified individual. But in the age of social media, all of that hate can still go toward that person. I feel like it used to not quite be that way where you could hate someone and you'll never have any interaction with them. But now all these poor individuals who have done nothing to deserve it are getting really targeted. And, and obviously we can disagree with choices and, and have some righteous condemnation for certain individuals and the choices they make. But I just think overall, we work ourselves up into a societal tizzy and then actually do inflict some harm on individuals. I'm not sure I've ever heard the term societal tizzy. That's what it feels like it is to me a little bit. It was, it was great. It was, well, thanks. You know, We're full of good lines today, John. I my sermon today. <laughs> uh, yeah, hate, hate just sort of compounds itself. And I don't, you know, sometimes people couch it in term, terms of righteous wrath. You know, mm -hmm. that this is a positive thing to really hate someone or somebody. You've heard all your life the term uh, love the sinner but hate the sin mm -hmm. and 
that's a nice phrase and probably accurate, but where is that line? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's very hard. Where, where, is, where do you draw that line? Um, especially when Jesus asks us not to judge, um, you know, lest we be judged. So, and that kind of goes into that. How do we disagree without hating and how do we love without necessarily affirming? It's kind of that ever that balance and that tension. I, I always think back when I think about disagreement to a uh, adult education class at Welsher, probably, oh, two or three years ago now. And we watched a Ted talk about what it feels like to be wrong and what we think when someone disagrees with us. And it's a wonderful TED Talk, highly recommend. But one of the things it talks about was like, there's like three stages of disagreeing with someone where you think they just need more education. I forget the middle one. And finally you're like, you just think they're stupid and there's no way like they're, they're clearly just incapable of understanding the right way of viewing. And I think that's kind of where we are as we jump to that third phase of just assuming people who disagree with us are stupid and therefore not worthy of our respect essentially. Yeah, it's it's an interesting time to be an American, I think, and mm -hmm. because we're so polarized and it, it's hard to actually understand what the other person is even thinking at times. Uh, but again, Jesus is pretty clear that, you know, people, you know, certainly you've heard it said that you should love, uh, love your uh, neighbor and hate your enemy but I say to you you know love your enemy as well and pray for those who persecute you so Christians are called to work across the aisle whichever side of the aisle you're on there's, there's zero question that um, reconciliation is what we're called to do second Corinthians 5 we're, we're all to be Christians are all to be ambassadors for reconciliation which is one of my favorite phrases in the Bible, if you think of yourself as an ambassador for bringing people together with God, it's a, it's a high calling that we all have, not just, not just faith workers who are eligible for vaccines soon, but, uh, but all Christians have the calling to be you know, reconcilers, not dividers. I think there's just so many, I mean, we've gone on a lot of different tangents on this, uh, this one topic. And I think that's, I think that's really important because frankly, hate is very intertwined in our society. Um, and even in, in Christianity and faith circles, I feel like the spiritual warfare aspect, this I'm in the Lord's army kind of mentality can, can easily devolve into hate really quickly. And so I think as Christians, we sort of kind of assume we're above that. Like, of course we love everyone, God made us all, but we're actually probably more susceptible, I would think, to that sort of mentality, just by the nature of being very passionate about our faith too. Well, besides the madness of crowds, there's also the, one of the dangers for the church is the clan mentality. Mm. You know, that we love each other so much. We love being together. We love our fellowship that we become cut off from the world and actually hostile towards the world. Mm -hmm. you know, we, know, we all know about the feuding clans and the Hatfields and the McCoys in Kentucky and all the stories related to feuding clans and, and the times of feudalism in medieval Europe as well. But as worse, the church becomes a clan and you know, clings together so closely that it resents or hates any 
outside influence that tries to come in. It's, you know, it's just circle the wagons and protect us against, against the world. And that's, that's a pretty common um, worldview for some Christians to have, as opposed to seeing the world as, you know, a place to engage, a place to do mission, a place to uh, seek reconciliation. It's complicated. It is. It's a lot of tension, I think, and a healthy thing to be confronted with on a regular basis. Because I know it just can get really easy. Like, oh, I'm just going to hate on this person because it's one, I'm in a group and that's what we do. And we're just sitting around and talking, but also in my own heart of how am I looking at people who disagree with me? Even if I'm very, very sure I'm right, how am I approaching that disagreement with respect? And It's a challenge and it will continue to be a challenge, but it's not one Christians can walk away from mm-hmm. because Jesus says we have to love Darn people. it. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> <laughs> if only Jesus had just said easier things, right? <laughs> well, thank you, John. This has been a lovely conversation. Thank you all for tuning in to my second to last Tabletop Theology. We'll see you one last time next time. Ah. <laughs>